Welcome to the CHH Nation Talk podcast. I am your host, Samantha Williams, aka Raven. In this season of the podcast, we will talk everything related to God over money. This is the God over money season. God over money. We talking money, music, and movements. Big up to Bizzle, Danton, and the God Over Money crew. Shout out to all the God Over Money fans and followers. We about to kick off this season, God Over Money. Welcome, CHH, to the GOM season of the CHH Nation Talk podcast. Our first five episodes will be exploring the definitive identity of God Over Money Records. This segment of the podcast will be strategically focused on systematically addressing the systemic Christian hip-hop identity crisis by utilizing a pragmatic methodological approach to identity in order to definitively dissect fundamental problems and design formative solutions. In other words, This podcast will be intellectually and spiritually scientific in approaching artistic, cultural, relational, personal, and other forms of problems, issues, and conflicts within the CHH community in relation to identity. It is to be noted that informative revelatory knowledge communicated through this podcast will be based upon biblical facts, realities, and truths and is to be perceived as crucial, necessary, essential, and fundamental in nature. So I started off with a serious disclaimer because this conversation is for people who want and need a definitive change in the CHH environment. We're going to address the CHH identity crisis by understanding the type and nature of identity that is problematic. Now, I chose to begin addressing this problem with institutional rather than collective or individual identity because institutional identity is a concrete form of identity that is founded upon documented beliefs, values, principles, truths, facts, realities, etc. In this context, institutional identity can be likened to the makeup of a corporation that is, a legal entity that is separate and distinct from its owners. In these five episodes, we will define, discuss, determine, and decide on crucial concepts, factors, and variables that are associated with God Over Money Records' institutional identity. Chapter 1. What is an identity? An identity according to the dictionary definition, is the state or fact of remaining the same, one or ones, as under varying aspects or conditions, the condition of being oneself or itself and not another, the condition or character as to who a person or what a thing is, the qualities, beliefs, etc. that distinguish or identify a person or thing. So here's a quick question. How do you identify an identity? Does anyone know? The first thing we need to know about an identity is its name. 
The definition for name is a word or a combination of words by which a person, place, or thing, a body or class, or any object of thought is designated, called, and or known. In other words, the purpose of a name is to identify, that is, to recognize or establish as being a particular person or thing to verify the identity of. To a Christian, a name represents an identity. For us, the act of naming is a sacred and holy art. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Philippians 2.10 The name of Jesus is sacred and holy as we need to understand that Jesus' name indicates who he is, was, and is to come. The name above every name speaks for itself. Therefore, the function of a name is to indicate, that is, to be a sign of, be the evidence of, to present an identity. When God created the world, he gave everything he created a name, which both identified and indicated its identity. God named the first man Adam, meaning man, and the Hebrew word for earth is Adamah. In other words, the word Adam can be interpreted as man created from the earth. The purpose of the name Adam was to recognize and establish humankind as being distinct from all other creation. And the function of the name Adam is to be a sign and evidence of humanity's origin from the earth. The significance of Adam's name to the identity of humankind can be seen throughout the Bible in how God describes mankind. Man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. Psalm 144 verse 4. All go to one place. All are from the dust and all return to dust. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 20. In the beginning, the first recorded task God gave Adam was to name. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. Genesis 2.19 If Adam's first responsibility as man was to name, that is, to identify and give an indication of identity, then it is within our nature to name. Therefore, the act of naming is a sacred and holy task that God gives, whether it is an artist's name, naming a label, an album, EP, mixtape, or song. The act of naming is a holy and sacred task that God gives, whether it's an artist's name, naming a label, an album, EP, mixtape, or song. Here is another quick question. Why am I emphasizing naming when it comes to identity? Could this perhaps be a key concept in addressing the CHH identity crisis? Absolutely. We're going to explore how knowing a name 
gives birth to our understanding of what an identity is. So let us examine the name God Over Money Records. Now, I'm going to switch it up a little bit and backtrack to institutional identity. This is an identity that is assigned to an institution, whether it's a business, school, church, etc. Therefore, the name that you give a business is different from the name that you give a person in both its purpose and function, and we may go into that a bit later. As a record label, God Over Money Records has a business institutional identity. As it is a business, it has a legal implication in its identity as well as it is subject to a separate identity because it's not a sole proprietorship. Furthermore, it can be distinct from its owners in that it can take upon its own principled system that is not dependent on its ownership. In other words, if Bizzle and all GOM artists decide to retire or Bizzle decides to sell the label, its foundational management and operational structure can be minimally affected despite a change of personnel. Now, how is an institutional identity created? From the name God Over Money Records, we can derive its definition which will give specific identification and indication of its identity. Here it's its definitive identity. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Over, meaning above in place or position, above in authority, rank, power, etc., so as to govern, control, or have jurisdiction regarding money, meaning any article or substance used as a medium of exchange, measure of wealth, or means of payment. Again, that is God, meaning Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Over, meaning above in place or position, above in authority, rank, power, etc., so as to govern, control, or have jurisdiction regarding money, meaning any article or substance used as a medium of exchange, measure of wealth, or means of payment. Now, in terms of a business institutional identity, it can be a bit complex, so we'll come back to that. For now, let us examine the purpose and function of the definitive identity of GOM. Let us look at God over money's purpose to identify. The purpose of this name can be interpreted to be for the recognition of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the establishment of His authority, power, governance, control, and jurisdiction of money, that is, any article or substance used as a medium of exchange, measure of wealth, or means of payment. The purpose of this name can be interpreted to be for the recognition of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the establishment of His authority, power, governance, control, and jurisdiction of money, 
that is any article or substance used as a medium of exchange, measure of wealth, or means of payment. Now, God over money's function to indicate. The function of this name can be interpreted to be to the evidence of God's authority, power, governance, control, and jurisdiction of money. That is, any article or substance used as a medium of exchange, measure of wealth, or means of payment. And the sign of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit himself. The function of this name can be interpreted to be the evidence of God's authority, power, governance, control, and jurisdiction of money. That is, any article or substance used as a medium of exchange, measure of wealth, or means of payment and the sign of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit himself. Now, the job of God over money's institutional identity is to implement the definitive identity in a business context. In essence, it is to put God over money in business. It is to put God over money in the business of money to put God over money in the business of music, and to put God over money in the business of movements. So what does that practically look like? Let us look at the pragmatic meaning of God over money. What does God over money mean? First, God over money does not mean no luxury possessions. It does mean Submission to the authority of God, which is above money. It does not mean being poverty-stricken. It does mean surrendering to the power of God, which is above money. It does not mean no desire for wealth or riches. It does mean sacrifice for the control of God, which is above money. It does not mean no earthly success. It does mean suffering for the jurisdiction of God, which is above money. It does not mean no ambition. It does mean selflessness for the governance of God, which is above money. Again, God over money does not mean no luxury possessions. It does mean Submission to the authority of God, which is above money. It does not mean being poverty-stricken. It does mean surrendering to the power of God, which is above money. It does not mean no desire for wealth or riches. It does mean sacrifice for the control of God, which is above money. It does not mean no earthly success. It does mean suffering for the jurisdiction of God, which is above money. It does not mean no ambition. It does mean selflessness for the governance of God, which is above money. Now let us look at two types of interpretive meanings. First, God over money's definitive authoritative meaning. 
One, God governing your perception and attitude towards any measure of wealth. For example, your possessions. Two, God being in control of your beliefs and values towards mediums of exchange. For example, talents, gifts, skills, knowledge, and experience. Three, God having jurisdiction in your behaviors and actions towards any means of payment. And that could be cash, stocks, bonds, real estate, gold, silver, etc. This definitive meaning is derived from a biblical principle. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now let us take a look at God over money's colloquial common culture meaning. One, not perceiving or utilizing money like in popular mainstream hip-hop culture. Two, to not do what they do concerning money and material possessions. And they in this context is usually the world, worldly people, people in the world. Three, to value God rather than monetary gain. This colloquial common culture meaning is extracted from a biblical premise to be in the world but not of it, John 17, 16. This definition is based upon what the world does or does not do. Now, to understand the differences between the common culture meaning and the definitive authoritative meaning, let's understand where it comes from in going over the difference between a principle and a premise. A principle is a fundamental primary or general law and or truth from which others are derived. A premise is a bias stated or assumed on which reasoning proceeds. Quick question. What is the difference between a meaning that is derived from a principle and a meaning extracted from a premise? The difference is the foundation. A principle is long-lasting, a premise is short-lived. The difference is the foundation. A principle is long-lasting, a premise is short-lived. Now let us look at the fundamental error of interpretation in GOM's colloquial common culture meaning. Firstly, this interpretation is based upon collective and personal identity which is subjective in nature rather than an institutional identity which is objective. Please note, a collective and personal identity cannot create an institutional identity. A collective and personal identity cannot create an institutional identity. And we may go into this later. Let's state some foundational guidelines concerning collective and personal identity in relation to institutional identity. 
Please know, a collective identity is social and cultural, while a personal identity is relational and communicative. A collective identity is social and cultural, while a personal identity is relational and communicative. Number one, how you as a person relate to the term God over money does not define what God over money is. It only identifies how the term God over money relates to you. Number two, how you as a person communicate the term God over money does not define what God over money is. It only indicates how the term God over money communes with you. Number three, how a group of people socialize using the term God over money does not define what God over money is. It only identifies how the term God over money is socialized amongst those group of persons. Four, how a culture utilizes the term God over money does not define what God over money is. It only indicates how the term God over money is cultivated in that particular culture. The simplest way of explaining these guidelines can be found in Matthew 16, 13 to 17. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. As is clearly illustrated in this passage, Jesus' identity is not based on how we relate to him, but on the revelation of identity from the Father. It is not subjective, but objective. Again, Jesus' identity is not based on how we relate to him, but on the revelation of identity from the Father. It is not subjective, but objective. A pragmatic approach to this would be to say, if you take the term God over money outside of the Christian hip-hop social context, what would it mean? And even still, if you take the term God over money outside of a Christian cultural context, what would it mean? Again, if you take the term God over money outside of the Christian hip-hop social context, what would it mean? And even still, if you take the term God over money outside of a Christian cultural context, what would it mean? An institutional identity is able to have a purpose and function beyond its immediate social, cultural, relational, and communicative context. 
Remember that the job of God over money's institutional identity is to implement its definitive identity in a business context. In essence, it is to put God over money in business, not just in Christian business. It is to put God over money in the business of money, not just in the business of money for Christians. It is to put God over money in the business of music, not just Christian hip-hop music. And to put God over money in the business of movements, not just church or ministry movements. Again, in essence, it is to put God over money in business and not just in Christian business. It is to put God over money in the business of money and not just the business of money for Christians. It is to put God over money in the business of music, not just Christian hip-hop music, and to put God over money in the business of movements, not just church or ministry movements. Now, how is this possible? Let me ask you this. Is God over money only for Christians? In other words, is God only over money when we choose to believe in him? Let me remind you of the definitive identity of God over money. God, meaning Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Over, meaning above in place or position, above in authority, rank, power, etc., so as to govern, control, or have jurisdiction regarding money, meaning any article or substance used as a medium of exchange, measure of wealth, or means of payment. That is, God, meaning Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Over, meaning above in place or position, above in authority, rank, power, etc., so as to govern, control, or have jurisdiction regarding. Money, meaning any article or substance used as a medium of exchange, measure of wealth, or means of payment. God over money. God over money. Put God business of money, music, and movements. Put submission to the authority of God in the business of money. Put surrendering to the power of God in the business of music. Put sacrifice for the control of God in the business of movements. So we're here in chapter two, and this is our discussion section. So for this section, we're going to be talking more on the music side of the equation. And so to begin this discussion, I just want to give the definition for record. So this is the records part of God over money. So record, to set down in writing or the like, as for the purpose of preserving evidence, to cause to be set down or registered, to state or indicate, to serve, to relate, or to tell of, to set down or register in some permanent form. And so for this discussion, I'm going to be using deductive reasoning, 
which is going from general to specific. And so we're going to discuss the broader issues in Christian hip-hop, and then we're going to go specifically into God over money. So the first question is, what evidence is being preserved? What are we giving an account for the purposes of? So I've identified two things that are being preserved in Christian hip-hop music. The first thing is Christ, the story of God. The second thing is us, the story of humanity. And the dynamics as to how those things are preserved in music is quite interesting. And we're going to talk about that in this discussion. But I really want to key point this one word that makes a key difference in what we're supposed to be trying to accomplish here. And that word is convergence. Coming together, union, oneness of stories. You see, the issue that I find is that we have a problem with how to have both Christ and us coming together, being unified, being one in the music. And there are three key points as to why this is so problematic. The first key point is in the percentage balance. That is how much of God and how much of us is going to be in the music. For some people, they may say it's 90% Christ, 10% us. Others may disagree and say it's 80% Christ, 20%. And so you have a percentage variant amongst people, amongst artists, as to how much of Christ should be in the music and how much of us should be in the music. Uh, The story of God versus the story of humanity. But I really want to challenge that perspective in the definition of convergence. That is a coming together, a union and oneness of stories. So the ultimate goal and the ultimate aim should be a complete percentage. That is 100% Christ and 100% us in the music. And we'll talk a bit more about that later because it can get a little bit complex as to how to accomplish that. The second point is the ratio of equilibrium. And what that really is about is the symmetry in the composition of the music. It's overt and covert, conscious and subliminal, explicit and implicit. So let's say we're using a 90-10 ratio. 90% Christ, 10% us. Out of that 90% of Christ, how much of the message is going to be overt? How much of it may be subliminal, how much of it may be explicit, and then that becomes a new problem in the equation. So that's another tricky composition as to how to compose the music in such a way that it is the the ratio of equilibrium is actually pretty balanced. The third point is the proportion of equivalence, which is the exchangeability. Same versus different, Christian versus hip-hop, world versus church. For example, the production quality should be the same 
as those in hip hop, but the messaging should be different. And then you have an issue of, okay, how much Christian needs to be in a song and how much hip hop needs to be in a song? How relatable is it to the Christian people over here uh, versus the hip hop people over there? That's another issue. And then the third issue is the world versus the church. Okay. Who am I talking to? I'm talking to the church people here and we're going to make this music appeal to them more or the world people over here and we're going to make the music appeal to them more. So whether it's in the appeal as to the lyrics or the sound or the flow, you know, who or, or how should I proportionately compose this music? So it gets a little bit complex as we go through and we'll definitely go into that a bit more later, but I just want to state the problem in a scientific way so that you can understand it from a different perspective. So I want to kind of go into how my viewpoint may differ from somebody else in the Christian hip hop community. I look at this as a scientific, not an artistic problem. To me, this is biblical science. And how the perceptions and the perspectives differ is I'll explain it. So an art perspective is opinionated. A scientific perspective is calculated. An artistic perspective is intuitive. Science is about critical thinking. An artistic perspective is feeling. Science is reasoning. For an artistic perspective, it's about personal perception. Science is about assessment. An artistic perspective is about interpretation. Science is about evaluations. An artistic perspective is about experience. Science is about judgments. Okay, so now we're going to be talking about percentage balance. And we're going to go through all the percentages. 90-10, 80-20, 70-30, 60-40, 90 10, 80 20, 70 30, 60 40, 50 50, and 100 100. Now, percentage balance is directionally fluid. For example, it can be 90% Christ, 10% us, or it can be 90% us, 10% Christ. So it's important to know that percentage balance is not focused on right versus wrong. It's about choice versus consequence, which is determined by your level of faith in Christ. So we have level one believer, 90-10. And this is a level that is about all versus nothing. This is a beginner's stage of faith where you are struggling with God in the war of Christ versus sin in the choice of John 15 verse 5 which says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. In this stage of your faith, the reality of your choice is abide in Christ, bear much fruit, or abide outside Christ, bear no fruit. The sobering truth of this stage is in John 15, 6-7. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire. 
and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. The choice is yours, but so is the consequence. Level two, believer 80-20, less versus more. This is a beginner's intermediary stage of faith where you are wrestling with God in the battle of glory versus honor in the choice of John 3 verse 30, which says, He must increase, but I must decrease. In this stage of your faith, the reality of your choice is the glory of Christ must increase, but the honor of me must decrease. Or, the honor of me must increase, but the glory of Christ must decrease. The sovereign truth of this stage is in Matthew 23, 12, which states, And whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. The choice is yours, but so is the consequence. Level 3. Disciple 7030. Him or me? This is an intermediate beginner stage of faith where you are fighting with God in the conflict of His self or myself. In the choice of Galatians 2:20, which states, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. In this stage of your faith, the reality of your choice is, Christ is alive in me and I am dead, or Christ is dead and I am alive. The sobering truth of this stage is in Luke 9, 23 to 25. Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and and is himself destroyed or lost? The choice is yours, but so is the consequence. Level 4. Disciple 6040. Us or we? This is an intermediate advanced stage of faith where you are grappling with God in the contention of togetherness or separateness in the choice of 1 Corinthians 12.12, which states, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. In this stage of your faith, the reality of your choice is the body is one and has many members or the body is divided and has few members. The sobering truth of this stage is 1 Corinthians 12, 
20 to 26, which states, But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism, division, or disunion, especially into mutually opposed parties in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. The choice is yours, but so is the consequence. Level 5. Minister 5050. His and mine. This is an advanced intermediary stage of faith where you are striving with God in the dispute of ownership and belonging. In the choice of Deuteronomy 8.18 And you shall remember the Lord your God for it is He who gives you power to get wealth that He may establish His covenant which He swore to your fathers as it is this day. In this stage of your faith, the reality of your choice is, remember the Lord your God who gives you power to get wealth, or forget the Lord your God and then say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. The sobering truth of this stage is in Deuteronomy 8.19. Then it shall be, if you by any means forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you to this day that you shall surely perish. The choice is yours, but so is the consequence. Level 6. Minister 100 100. Oneness and ours. This is an extreme advanced stage of faith where you are resting with God in the peace of fatherhood and sonship. In the choice of John 12, 49, which says, For I have not spoken of my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. And John 5, 19. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. In this stage of your faith, the reality of your choice is, say what the Father has commanded and do what the Father has done, or say what the Father has not commanded and do what the Father has not done. The sobering truth of this stage is in Galatians 4, 
7 to 9. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not God's. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? The choice is yours, but so is the consequence. So that's a lot to think about. So let's kind of run it back to institutional identity for a bit for some context. Remember that the job of institutional identity is to implement a definitive identity, in this case, in a business context. Remember also that the job of the institutional identity is to put God over money's definitive identity in the business of music. So let's look over the definitive identity of God over money again. So we have God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, over, meaning above in place or position, above in authority, rank, power, etc., so as to govern, control, or have jurisdiction regarding, and money, meaning any article or substance used as a medium of exchange, measure of wealth, or means of payment. So, let me ask you a quick question. How do you put God over money in the business of music? Let's use percentage balance as an example at level two. That's the believer, 80-20, less versus more. It is the battle of glory versus honor in the choice of John 3 verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. Now, let's go back to the definitive meaning of God over money. So we have five definitive meanings. One, submission to the authority of God, which is above money. Two, surrendering to the power of God, which is above money. Three, sacrifice for the control of God, which is above money. Four, suffering for the jurisdiction of God, which is above money. Five, selflessness for the governance of God, which is above money. In this instance, we will use the submission to the authority of God, which is above money. In this case, the glory of Christ refers to his authority above money. That is, any article or substance used as a medium of exchange, measure of wealth, or means of payment. The honor of us refers to monetary authority, which is below Christ, example, popularity and profit. Again, in this stage of faith, the reality of choice is the glory of Christ, that is, his authority above money must increase, but the honor of me, that is the monetary authority, which is below Christ, must decrease, or the honor of me, that is monetary authority, which is below Christ, must increase. But the glory of Christ, that is his authority above money, must decrease. Remember, 
You cannot serve both God and money. That is Matthew 6, 24. So what does this practically look like? The business of music has various aspects, but for now I'm going to focus on content creation and marketing, advertising, and promotions. So first, content creation. To submit to the glory of Christ, that is, his authority above money, means to create content, which is albums, EPs, mixtapes, and songs for the purpose and function of increasing his authority above money in the earth. So how do you accomplish this? Step one, let's go all the way back to naming. The definition for name is a word or combination of words which a person, place, or thing, a body or class, or any object of thought is designated, called, and or known. The purpose of a name is to identify that is to recognize or establish as being a particular person or thing, to verify the identity of. And the function of a name is to indicate, that is to be a sign of, be the evidence of, to present an identity. Therefore, when a name is given to an album, an EP, a mixtape or song, it is identifying that is to recognize or establish God over money. In this instance, meaning the submission to the glory of Christ, that is his authority above money. It is also indicating that is to be a sign of, to be the evidence of God over money. In this instance, meaning the submission to the glory of Christ, that is his authority above money. Remember that the act of naming is a sacred and holy task that God gives. So I'm going to use a real life example for illustrative purposes only, at least just for right now. Jared Sanders, a God Over Money artist, recently released an EP called Black Friday. And of course, the name of the EP caught my attention. Now, I'm going to remake the EP a little bit using the guidelines above. Name Black Friday. Black Friday is an economic holiday for the purpose of buying and selling, commonly known as the busiest shopping day of the year. That is the official definition of Black Friday. So, question number one. How will the EP Black Friday recognize or establish God over money in this instance, meaning the submission to the glory of Christ, that is his authority above money. You have two ways to do this. One, the literal way, and two, the figurative way. The literal way is to speak of the actual Black Friday holiday. So we're going to focus on the actual day, Black Friday. The figurative 
is to talk about the shopping experience. That is the buying and the selling experience. So that goes beyond Black Friday. Black Friday is just kind of zooming in on the shopping, the buying and selling. But it goes beyond that. So for this purpose, we're going to go with the literal. Question number two. How will the EP Black Friday indicate that is to be a sign of, be the evidence of God over money? In this instance, meaning the submission to the glory of Christ, that is his authority above money. So again, there's two ways to do this. There's word and there's action. So I just chose the word as an example. You know, there are different phrases that can be used, but I just chose cancel Black Friday. So that's a signature phrase. And then the action would be to have a boycott. So in this instance, I'm going to choose action. So in other words, practically in this instance, the purpose of the Black Friday EP is to recognize and establish that God's authority is above the Black Friday holiday and the function of the Black Friday EP is to be a sign of and the evidence of boycotting the Black Friday holiday. So, let's go into the marketing, advertising, and promotions. To submit to the glory of Christ, that is, his authority above money, means to market, advertise, and promote albums, EPs, mixtapes, and songs for the purpose and function of increasing his authority above money in the earth. And so I'm just going to kind of briefly go through that and give just some off-the-top-of-my-head examples. Um, For example, the marketing campaign, the EP could be used to create a movement. And this movement would be about how to submit to God's authority on Black Friday. And what that means is, if God is saying, don't buy something, or refrain from doing Black Friday shopping, how do you submit to that? How do you put aside your own fleshy desires of going for the sale, of getting the new item, and submit to the authority of God, which is saying, no, we're we're not doing Black Friday this year. So the EP would be the soundtrack album to that movement. The advertising. So the EP could give some Black Friday horror stories. So to, to give into the choice versus consequence. If you choose to submit to the authority of Christ, which is above money, and God is saying, no, don't buy this, no, don't buy that, and you submit to that, what is the consequence of that? And what is the consequence of not submitting in particular? Um, so you want the, the horror stories and you want the, the saving stories. So how did Christ save you from making a bad Black Friday decision? And what happens when somebody did make a Black Friday decision? Um, so you have that advertising. 
And then the promotions is, for example, if you want to do a, a special where you say, if you buy the Black Friday EP, you would donate a percentage to financial educational initiatives for black people, for example. Now, this is saying, okay, how do you establish the authority of God in the earth? Well, now you have to educate on, okay, why is it a good idea to say no to Black Friday shopping? And then you give financial educational reasons for that. And so buying the EP would support doing things like that. So that's just, you know, some off of the top of the heads and how the marketing, advertising, and promotional things that would be related to the EP would support the purpose and function of increasing God's authority above money in the earth. So as you can see, this isn't about making music that sounds good or feels good or looks good to people. This is about creating music that can accomplish a specific purpose and function under the submission to the glory of Christ. In other words, the quality of the work will be evaluated based upon the effectiveness in the impression, influence, and impact in relation to the accomplishment of its assigned purpose and function. 1 Corinthians 3, 10 to 15 states that, According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it was revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. So what this is really saying is that the work will be tested according to a particular standard. It's not subjective. When God judges our work, it's not a subjective judgment. It's not based on how many people like it. It's not based on how much money it made. It's not based on who thought it was the best. It's based on did this work accomplish what I had purposed it to accomplish? Did this work function the way that it was designed to function? Was this work effective in doing what it was assigned to do? It is a very objective evaluation, and we need to be objective in how we evaluate the work that we do. God over money. God is over money. God is above money. God is higher in position than money. God is greater than money. You can choose God over money or money over God. The choice is yours, but so is the consequence. Yeah.
so we're at chapter three, the determined chapter, and we're coming to an end. There's just one more chapter left after this. And so let's just have a quick review of God over money records. So we have God over money, God, meaning the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, over meaning above in place or position, above in authority, rank, power, etc., so as to govern, control, or have jurisdiction regarding money, meaning any article or substance used as a medium of exchange, measure of wealth, or means of payment, record, meaning to set down in writing or or the like as for the purpose of preserving evidence to cause to be set down or registered to state or to indicate, to serve, to relate, or to tell of, to set down or register in some permanent form. Now, we have defined and discussed God over money as a business and more specifically as a music business entity. We now have to determine what God over money is as a record label. So, It's time to label, that is, to classify the label. Now, what is a record label? A record label basically is a house of records. It is, one, a household of musical artists, and two, a storehouse of music. And we're going to go into both. First... Let's determine what the household is. When you think of the word household, what comes to mind? Family, headship, fatherhood? It's all three, and we're going to break down how each term applies in a record label context. Now, family, that is the immediate artist family, refers to the signed artists in the case of God Over Money, There are currently five of seven artists currently present on the label. That's Bizzle, Datton, Bumps, INF, Selah the Corner, and Jared Sanders. Seven has recently retired, and Kate Alico has recently resigned. So in the case of the family of artists, this is where collective identity is formed. A collective identity, unlike institutional identity, is dependent on the members of its group. That is, if the membership changes, so will the formation of the identity. There are several purposes and functions related to collective identity, but in this instance, we will go over two primary ones. God over money as a collective identity, that is, a collection of artists, is purposed to identify God over money in the body of Christ. That is, to recognize and establish God over money in the body of Christ. And its function is to indicate God over money to the family of God. That is, to be a sign and the evidence of God over money to the family of God. Now, in terms of the purpose, each member artist represents a member of the body of Christ. Remember 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 26. 
And of the function, each artist represents a child in the family of God. This is why I strongly believe in the necessity of having both genders represented at a label. Females need to be in the family. To have women absent is to deny the very image of God reject a member of the body of Christ and abandon a child of God. Females need to be in the family. To have women absent is to deny the very image of God, reject a member of the body of Christ and abandon a child of God. God over money has a significant opportunity as well as with Seven and K Alico gone, they have two slots open. It would be five loaves and two fishes. Five loaves and two fishes. Let's make a miracle happen. Number two, headship. I think of headship in this context like this. The head of the ship. Ship meaning supporting housing indivisible power. The head of the ship is formerly the manager and or owner who is primarily responsible for guiding the direction of operational and managerial decision making. As far as I can tell, Bizzle is the front man for this role. The head is a governmental leader, meaning that his identity carries a specific authority of governing. This is a kingly role, and as with David, he must be specifically anointed and then appointed for the position. In the case of headship, this is where institutional and personal identity is interconnected. This forms a unique type of identity whereby the governing principles of institutional identity intersect with the personal beliefs, values, and attitudes concerning oneself. God over money in a governmental role that is an interconnected identity has several purposes and functions, but in this instance, we'll go over two primary ones. It is purpose to identify God over money in a nation or nations. That is to recognize and establish God over money in a nation slash nations. And its function is to indicate God over money in a domain. That is to be a sign and the evidence of God over money in a domain. And a domain is a territory. From nation, you get kingdom, as like in the Old Testament. And from domain, you get dominion, as in Genesis 1, verse 26. Number three, fatherhood. You won't hear of this term very much in a business setting, but the reality of fathering in this context is very real. Most people may just dumb it down to the term mentorship. Fathering is also the responsibility of the head. In the case of fatherhood, this is where institutional, collective, and personal identity cross paths. Fatherhood is the leading of sonship. Lead. L-E-A-D. 
Love establishing abiding direction. When a son of God follows the father and is led by him, learns from him, leans on him, lives for him, and loves through him, he then matures to be able to lead to him. L-E-A-D. Thereby, which a son becomes a father. A father's identity comes through sonship and has a specific authority of parenting. Kings rule, fathers raise. God over money in a parental role that is an intersectional identity has several purposes and functions, but in this instance, we'll go over two primary ones. It is purpose to identify God over money in the sons of God. That is to recognize and establish God over money in a son of God. And his function is to indicate God over money in the kingdom of God. That is to be a sign and the evidence of God over money in the kingdom of God. Remember, sons inherit the kingdom. Romans 8. 16 to 17. Now for the second aspect of the label, the storehouse of music. There are three major things that are stored in music, wisdom, weaponry, and wealth. Again, there are three major things that are stored in music, wisdom, weaponry, and wealth. And there are two types that can be stored for each. One, either the wisdom of God or human wisdom. The weapons of the spirit or the weapons of the flesh. The wealth of heaven or the wealth of the earth. So now that we have briefly determined what is a record label as a household of musical artists and the storehouse of music, let us determine what the house needs for its purpose and functioning. Every house needs a constitution. And a constitution is the system of fundamental principles according to which a nation, state, corporation, or the like is governed. It is the document embodying these principles. Again, a constitution is the system of fundamental principles according to which a nation, state, corporation, or the like is governed. It is the document embodying these principles. Do you remember when I said that the job of God over money's institutional identity is to implement its definitive identity in a business context? Well, the house constitution is the manual for implementation. Again, the house constitution is the manual for implementation. Now, the house constitution for God over money is patterned after the U.S. Constitution for the reason by which the constitution is a formal governing document and God over money is a U.S. business and hereby subject to its constitution. 
So this house constitution is purposed to serve as a governmental document that has legislative, executive, and judicial functions. Now, why does GOM need a house constitution? One, for the purpose of identification. That is, God over money's recognition and establishment. Two, for the function of indication. That is, God over money's signature and evidence. In other words, God over money needs a house constitution for the same reason the U.S. government needed one. We'll go into further details later as a written outline discussion of the house constitution will be posted by our next episode. God over money is a house of records that records the evidence of Christ and the evidence of us. The house, the household, the storehouse constitutes the artistry of music. The word became flesh. John 1 verse 14. Now this is the final chapter and we have been on a very interesting journey. And so this final chapter is the decision making chapter. And we're going to talk about some final decisions that need to be made. So I'm going to start this chapter by sharing a very important scripture. And it is from Proverbs 1 verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. We're at the last segment of this episode and there has been an abundance of wisdom and instruction that was given to you. So I want to end this episode by dissecting Proverbs 1-7. Firstly, the fear of the Lord. Now, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am a mighty God. Walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. That is Genesis 17, verse 1 to 6. No longer shall your name be called Abraham, but your name shall be Abraham. Quick question. Why did God change Abraham's name to Abraham? Remember, a name is to identify and indicate identity. God was changing Abraham's identity. Therefore, he had to change his name. Now, biblically, like in the case of David, prophets were given the responsibility and assignment to anoint to call forth these types of identity changes with the, which the Lord had proclaimed. 
As a prophet, I'm a bit different from commonly known biblical examples. I'm responsible for redefining identity and assigned to the mountain of business. This means that I typically don't change names unless necessary. What I do is reveal what a name truly means, and my assignment is that of a business type rather than a personal type, meaning that I deal with the more grand scheme of things. Now that we know that Abraham's fear of the Lord made him obedient to God, resulting in him becoming Abraham, recording as a hero of faith in Hebrews 11, 8 to 10, which states, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. But what about God over money? What will the fear of the Lord result in? What will be the reward of obedience? Two, beginning of knowledge. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. So if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go to the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Acts 9, 1-9 Here's a man Saul who thought he had knowledge before he had met the Lord, who when he became Paul realized that he had none. For he declared, Brethren and fathers, Hear my defense before you now. And when they heard that he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, they kept all the more silent. Then he said, I am indeed a Jew, born in Tarus of Sicilia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamil, taught according to the strictness of her father's law and was zealous toward God as you are all today. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women, as also the high priest bears me witness, and all the council of elders from whom I also received letters to the brethren and went to Damascus to bring in chains 
even those who were there to Jerusalem to be punished. Now it happened. As I journeyed and came near Damascus about noon, suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. And those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. So I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Arise and go into Damascus, and there you shall you be told all things which are appointed for you to do. And since I could not see for the glory of that light, being led by the hand of those who were with me, I came into Damascus. Acts 22, 1-11 But what about God over money? Is there a knowledge that is separate from the Lord? And what if the Lord were to reveal that this knowledge is false? Would he be feared? A man can be on his way until he sees the light and hears the voice of the Lord who tells him to go another way. What will GOM artists do if they were told to go another way? What would be the consequence of going the way they are going? Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The word despise means to regard with contempt, distaste, disgust, or disdain, to scorn or to loathe. Now it happened, as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering, that Samuel came, and Saul went out to meet him, that he might greet him. And Samuel said, What have you done? Saul said, When I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that you did not come within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered together at Michmash, then I said, The Philistines will now come down at me at Gagal, and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. 1 Samuel 13, 10-14 But what about God over money? Will they disregard wisdom? Will they view instruction with disdain? Will they be like King Saul, whose kingdom did not continue? I am truly curious to see what will become of what I have said. As it states in Isaiah 55, verse 11, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, 
but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. I am confident that the word that the Lord has given me will accomplish his purpose, as wisdom gives guidance, God, to assist a person to travel through or reach a destination in an unfamiliar area as by accompanying or giving directions to the person. An instruction brings direction. Direction. A purpose or orientation toward a goal that serves to guide, motivate, or focus. How you respond to the word that was said is your choice, but so is the consequence. The worst reaction in response to this episode for me is either love without action or hate with action. If you love this episode, like it, share it, comment on it, study it, research it, pray about it, discuss it, meditate on it. Don't just be a hearer, be a doer. James 1, 22 to 25. If you hate this episode, be still, be quiet, be open, be humble. If you're angry, be calm. If you're offended, be patient. If you're doubtful, be curious. If you're skeptical, be inspired. For those who love this episode, in terms of call to action, I would love for you to help me get in contact with all current God Over Money artists to discuss the implications of this episode. When sharing, tag and at Bizzle, Datton, Bums INF, Selah the Corner, and Jared Sanders. Let them know how much you love this episode, how much wisdom and instruction it has given you, and how necessary it is to put the word to action concerning God over money. Thanks again for listening. Can't wait till next episode when we talk again. God over money. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Matthew 6, 24.